Celtic Stuff Live, the only toll-free call-in webcast produced specifically for Celtics fans. Celtic Stuff Live. All right, welcome back, everybody. Celtic stuff live, and hey, no, no, no need for caution, no need to worry. We did miss last week, just a little bump in the road, but we're back again this week, John and Justin, and you know it's been a good week from Kevin. Well, I'm not sure that it has been a good week. No. I shouldn't even say that. <laughs> it's been a terrible week. <laughs> it's been a terrible. It's been a good week for me personally, but not so well, great good. Celtics. Well, let's be honest. Let's you know what? If we're talking Justin Poole and stuff live, great week, right? Great week. Yeah, definitely, definitely somewhere between like a B plus and an A minus week for Justin Poulin. That's good stuff. Not so sure though about these Celtics. I mean, you know, the Kevin, the saving grace I think was was Kevin Durant, and we are going to talk to Chris Forsberg our interview this week from ESPN Boston, and uh, you know he obviously had a nice article and uh, got some attention, but Kevin Durant, boy, would that be pretty. And I, you know, John, you and I debated this. Back, you know, when the draft was coming around, mm-hmm. before we knew that we were going to get the number five pick overall, yep. and I remember you—you you know that this had to come back up at some point. Oh, yeah. You were a staunch Greg Oden, I was like not moving, and I was like, "It's got to be Durant. Yep. It's got to be Durant." And we went back and forth on this, almost like the Brady and Bledsoe debates that many friends had way back in the early two thousands. Yep, yep, and uh, I'm still not giving in. Uh, I think Odin. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know what? You you do have a position on it, and we didn't know that Odin was going to be an injury history. Right. Man, I don't even think we talked about you know big guys, seven footers. That's a risk you're always going to have. And look at the Philadelphia 76ers. They're they're playing roulette with that as well. But it's not like Kevin Durant wasn't long. You know, he just wasn't maybe quite as stocky. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think that's true. I mean, and, you know, he's. I think. I, I think that he has probably exceeded expectations, even for those of us who are watching, you know, and, and thinking in the best of terms. I, I can't imagine that people thought he'd be this good. Maybe maybe they were. Maybe they were. But obviously the injuries really took the Odin, the, the air out of that balloon. Look, Kevin Durant coming here is, I mean, all you had to do is watch the first, like, three minutes of that game this week and say, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I I don't think there's anyone who could watch that and be like, well, you know, I'm not so sure about this whole Kevin Durant guy. Like, is he really going to help this team? Those people probably should be locked up and put in a hospital somewhere. I mean, that that I don't, if they exist. That was, that guy is amazing. He's amazing. And he's, he's the perfect fit to, to, Come into this situation and, without any question, be a guy who helps them. We talked about this with Scott Souza uh, last week, in that you know a lot of times you see these situations, you know, with these trades we were talking about the deadline. Are they really going to help themselves? Well, of course, Kevin Durant's an all you know all NBA guy and all this, but just the type of player he is. I mean, there's a lot of guys. You know, you plug in and they're great players, but they may not fit into what Brad Stevens is doing and what this team is doing. But man, could Kevin Durant be the type of player who you plug and play into this group and and they won't miss a they don't miss the beat? No question. One hundred percent unselfish. That's, yeah. and and still a scorer. I mean, right. that's really what makes him so unique. And you know, the only thing I would have concerns about is 
you know, he is on the lighter side with that frame, right? And that typically has been a question mark for injuries. And he has had some injuries. But um, at the same time, you just can't deny the fact that the Celtics are a regular season performing team, not ready for prime time in the postseason quite yet. I think they'll do a lot better than they did last year. I think they might even get out of the first round, even if they do slip to the sixth seed during Jay Crowder's absence. But at the same time, this Celtics team not really ready to get to the finals. Somebody like Kevin Durant, though, to your point, an unselfish player, somebody who can you know pass the ball, somebody who's willing to pass the ball, but somebody who can score in in just bunches, scoring in bunches and a go-to scorer towards the end of games, somebody who can stretch the floor out for Isaiah so that Isaiah maybe has even more ability to drive into the lane. Uh, there's no question. You, you can't deny that Kevin Durant wouldn't be a perfect fit. And I know we're going to talk about this with Chris Forsberg, but you look at the blueprint, the last time the Celtics were in a position like this, a high draft pick, some young players to package. They went out, they got Ray Allen, then they went and got Kevin Garnett. This would be a really interesting, what if they What if they trade for somebody like Blake Griffin and then they're able to sign somebody like Kevin Durant in the offseason? Uh, all of a sudden, this team's got a whole new look. Yeah, no, that's true. I, I, there's, there is, even if you get Kevin Durant, you, you, you're not, I don't know that you're there yet. I don't know that you're, you're the, the, I think you're, I think you're a finals team. I don't know you're there to ready to beat the, the, the Spurs or to beat Golden State. You know, I think you can get through the East. I'm not sure you can get, you know, get to the, the, the promised land without that one extra guy. And, and so that's, you know, that's the deal whether Kevin Durant does end up leaving Oklahoma City this summer or if it's next summer, you're going to have to get that other guy. Maybe it's, you know, uh, you know maybe we're talking about an Al Horford. You know, there's, there are guys out there who help you get there. Um, and, and, you know, and the other piece of this is, okay, what happens with that draft pick? Do you take the draft pick? Do you move the draft pick? You know, we've, we've saw two days of NBA, of, of, you know, of NBA scouts watching the NCAA tournament. Uh, and you know the, the guy who right now everyone's looking at as the number three pick, Jalen Brown, completely botched his effort uh, in in Cal's opening game, gets knocked out. Uh, we talked about him, you know, during our last show. Chris Dunn had you know had a good game, not a great game. Jakob Portal, he you know, I mean, so I don't know. You look at this other than Ingram, and of course Simmons isn't in the draft that. There's anybody in there who's really going to make an impact next year to change what's going on here in Boston. So moving that pick becomes even more of a priority, I think, if you're Danny Ainge. Having, unless, you're, unless you're number one or number two, I'm not sure you really want to keep that pick for where they are in their development as a team. Well, and Ben Simmons sliding as well, right? I mean, right. really, just your boy from Duke, his stock is rising very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and and some others as well, but but really, when you talk about difference makers or you know odds on, hey, this is a guy who is going to most likely develop into you know a player. You know, similar to like the Jabari Parker conversation. All right, does he have some things he's got to work on? Sure, but as we saw a few weeks ago, the dude's a closer. I have no doubts he's going to be an amazing player. Uh, we're we're starting to see some red flags go up. I mean, even Jonathan Gavoni of Draft Express wrote for the Vertical this week uh, about why Ben Simmons is sliding, and they actually have him now at number two for the first time all year. 
Yeah, it's and and you know, I mean, to and to be fair, I mean, there have been questions. This isn't a new thing. Just because they didn't make the tournament, that's not been the only reason. If you read Gavoni's, uh, you know, his his post there on on the vertical, very clearly lays out that why there's question marks. Mike Schmitz, who who does all of the uh, the video breakdowns, which are just so good, so good on that site really has been looking at Ingram as the number one guy since I'd say at least December at this point. I, this isn't a new theory. This isn't something new. Uh, but I think the question marks and coming down to it and not being able to get your team in the NCAA tournament, really, you know, there's a lot of if you okay teams. Your, yeah, if but, you but can't if, carry your team right. into the tournament, not, let alone, you know, Final Four, Sweet 16, Right. If you can't carry your team even into the tournament, you got to wonder if you can lead an NBA franchise. That's right. Yeah. And, and you know, now a lot of people are saying, well, you know, in the right system, Ben Simmons can do that. And he, you're probably right. I mean, I think if he plays for a good coach, uh, someone like, you know, Brad Stevens, for example, uh, I think, yeah, I think that is a good situation for him. But look at where the Celtics are right now. Um they need shooting. They need scoring. They need people who can stretch the floor, who can open things up. If they have the number one pick, they need to take Brandon Ingram every day, twice on Sunday. There's no question about it. That's the player that they need to get out of that. They need scoring. They need somebody who can stretch the floor. And, 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 and that, until they do lean. that, they're going to have a problem. The whole team's no, going to have a problem. You're right. And long and lean isn't the issue that it used to be. Exactly. And you look at somebody like Kevin Durant. I know he's got a couple of inches on Ingram right now. Uh, but at the same time, that was a big question mark back then, right? Is, you know, is he going to be three? Is he going to play four? Is he big enough? Is, exactly. You know, all of those question marks. But when we look at the way the league is playing now and the tweeners having their resurgence and the way that the guard play has changed and the getting rid of hand checking, long and lean is not the problem that it was in the past. And he's a hell of a rebounder. So what it says is, is even though he's lean, he's using his athleticism to rip him down, which even makes it even more easy at the small forward position to see him project out. Exactly, and you know, is he? You know, I don't. He's not a finished product. He's far from it. I don't know that he, he's certainly not going to lead the Celtics anywhere. But look at what a guy like Devin Booker is doing right now, or um, you know, Porzingis. You know, he's not going to get the playing time on the Celtics roster as it stands right now, but. Look at the look at this team. Let's assume Crowder's healthy. Let's assume that you know Olenek is is where he needs to be. Ingram putting Ingram next to Crowder and in a lineup with Olenek. I mean, where, who, what do you? That opens the floor up for Marcus Smart to drive. It opens the floor up for Isaiah to drive. Even Bradley, even. A guy like uh, James Young. I had a great chat with Sam Sheehan and 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 Ryan Bernardoni uh, of uh, of Reddit of the of the Celtics subreddit on uh, on Reddit. We were talking about that on and it is a great article they wrote on on uh, the Reddit site on the, the subreddit for edit for rub sub Reddit for the Celtics. Oh boy. <laughs> that's all right. That's uh, all right. And, You're just warming them up. It's early in the show. Right. To, yeah, that's right. Um, but the great article talking about why Marcus Smart's three-pointers aren't as bad maybe as you might think, but why overall the team is struggling in, in terms of their shot making and and why the Celtics really are, are a, a below-average shooting team and how that's impacting guys like Smart, 
guys like James Young, if you can add a guy like Brandon Ingram, just that extra player to bring the defense out, that opens those driving lanes for those guys. It makes it so they're not forced to take those with three seconds left. Sometimes in those cases, Marcus Smart is the best option, and that's not a place that he should be right now in his development. He he needs to get there. He needs to get in the gym this summer, but right now you need guys who can open things up and can make that shot, and you can count on them. Brandon Ingram would be that guy. Ben Simmons is not. Yeah, and, and Crowder needs to move to the four. In yep. my opinion, yep. Crowder just needs to make the full move to the four and, and let's rock and roll. Let's get up and down the floor. Really all they need is somebody who can knock down those outside shots to space it out because they're just they haven't gotten it consistently all season. And Kelly Olynyk's absence, which we'll have to hit after we'll have to talk about it a little bit with uh, Chris Forsberg, but definitely after the interview, we have to talk about Kelly Olynyk coming back because, yeah, in game one, he was pretty rusty, looked like he might have even tweaked the, the shoulder again. But in game two, he started to warm up. I mean, is he there yet? No, he's still got a ways to go. But they missed his shooting. Remember when this team went on that streak yeah. after sitting at 19 and 19, 500 in early January, all of a sudden they took off, and a lot of it had to do with Kelly Olynyk's awesome shooting. So why don't we go get Chris Forsberg from ESPN Boston, our guest for today's show, and then when we come back, we'll have to talk about Kelly Olynyk and how is this team going to fare the rest of the way down the stretch after sliding four games straight. Joining us now, Chris Forsberg from ESPN Boston. And Chris, I'm not even going to lie to the listeners. This is take number two. But, uh, you know, we appreciate it. The first recording was gold. It's really too bad the listeners aren't going to hear it. But as we do our, our our welcome back tour, you know, Kobe's doing a farewell tour. John and I are doing a, a, a second round, a, a renewal or a, a restart of Celtic Stuff Live. And, you know, you were there in the early days. And I think they were the early days of your career as well. And, you know, we love having you on. And, and we're glad to be able to, to connect with you again and, and have your first appearance on the show since we got started. Yeah, well, I was, I was going to bust your chops. I was going to say, you know, guys, it, 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 it's been like three years since we talked, but it feels like I just talked to you yesterday, which would have been true, obviously. And then, <laughs> But, hey, it, I, I can't guarantee I will be as as funny and as engaging and as, as charming this time, but I am thrilled to have you guys back, and it, it, it's good to reconnect with you all. Uh, I, 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 we have missed you in the, in the Celtics podcast community and it's, uh, it's great to have you guys back. And, and I'm like, uh, I, I think I joked about it yesterday. You know, I heard, uh, Scott Susan giving you guys, uh, some grief about, you know, disappearing during some of the lean years. Well, you know, you guys are always welcome to come back and we're glad that it's, it, it's sort of when the Celtics are on the upswing. And since we're repeating everything we said yesterday, you know, <laughs> Skip Skip came for us, you know, Skip Sosa came for us, Johnny Big Time, he came for us, you know, really taking shots at us, you know, and we were, we're glad to be back. Shots fired. It, shots fired. You got it, man. And, you know, and, and you're welcoming, and you were as gracious, you know, yesterday as you are today, and we're very thankful to have you back. And, and, and as I said, and I, and I mean this as much now as I did, meant the first time when I said it 24 hours ago. You're you're up on the list. You 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 are up there with with the, the sainted Mike Gorman. Um, we'll have to have a smaller shrine next to the. Of course, we have a much larger Mike Gorman shrine at each of our homes. Maybe a smaller <laughs> kind of auxiliary shrine to go next to it. But an auxiliary shrine. I love right. it. And, and and in that, <laughs> I'll take what so I can you get. know, Chris. We will go with the the hostage photo. 
uh, headshot that you had to, to start your <laughs> career. Because every time we have you on our show, I have to mention it. So that's just whether it's been yeah, twenty four hours a year. <laughs> I can't believe that, that. Like, and actually, when you first brought it up yesterday, I was. It's like I had. It was like going down a down a down a time capsule or something because I totally forgotten about that. Even though it is still, I think my photo on my my press badge, and people all the time come up to me and say, like, "Wow, you know, witness relocation program." Like, well, what's going on with that? So glad glad to be bringing up old memories and. Uh, glad to be making new ones there you go well well we're we're glad to have you back and and as i as we kind of teased yesterday i mean it seems like you're all over the podcast world you're all over twitter uh everyone's talking about about predominantly about the kevin duran article you wrote i mean obviously you're doing a lot of great stuff but that's something that right place right time everybody's thinking about it everyone is is really excited about the possibility there i think there's a lot of people out in the community who in the Twitter community, the blogging world who are, you know, kind of poo pooing the whole thing. But as we talked about a little bit earlier, I mean, I think really this is about the opportunity that the Celtics are in the conversation. That's the story here. That's what you were writing about. I think that's what makes so many Celtics fans uh, excited. There's no presumption that they're going to be that team, uh, you know, but, but the fact they're even in the conversation um, is, is, is really the exciting thing for Celtics fans, isn't it, Chris? Exactly. And, and, and when we were trying to map out a good data to sort of launch this story, and I think we targeted it pretty early on, we said, you know, there's, there's some good free agents out there, but there's no bigger fish in the pond than, than Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant has an interesting situation where – you know, in that bloodthirsty West, it's uh, it's difficult to get the championship that he's been looking for, and I just think it really hammered home the fact of, you know, the Celtics have put themselves in position to chase any big name free agent that becomes available, and Kevin Durant just happens to be the biggest fish in the pond, and so I think with the Celtics, the the, the bigger picture, I hope what people take away from the article is again, you know. The, they just want a chance to have the ability to sit down with these free agents and give them the sales pitch. Say, hey, listen, we got Brad Stevens, one of the best young coaches in the league. He is drawing up these wizard plays out of timeouts. He is giving his team a chance. He's taking guys like Evan Turner and Jordan Crawford and turning them into serviceable NBA players. And it's, it, imagine what he could do with elite talent. And so then you say, and look, the Celtics are we're, we're before this Jay Crowder injury. We're, we're projected at a 50-win team. They were clinging to that third seed in the East, and even though they've slipped a little bit in this little uh, rough patch, there's always the chance it's still so crowded they could ball back up. So it's just there's a lot of intriguing things going on here. And then you look at the fact that they have this treasure trove of, of draft picks and young talent. And so they have the ability to go out there and make further moves, not only just signing the free agents with this, with this glut of cap space they're going to open up, but the ability to then say, who do you want to play with? We've got maybe the ping pong balls bounce the right way. You get the first round pick. And that's going to give you so much more flexibility in the trade market. You can go get that next piece. You can go get whatever is going to further lure those stars here. So the Celtics just are in a really good position. I think the other thing, one thing that I maybe didn't hammer home enough in the, in the article is that compared to the rest of the league, like people want to dismiss it initially. They say, well, you know, 
Celtics are in a good spot, but you know what? They're they're not at a level where an elite free agent would want to go there. And you go around, yeah, I say go around the league and look at all the rest of the teams and tell me where there are better situations. Now, obviously, Golden State is probably positioned pretty pretty well for the future. San Antonio, even you know, it, can they maintain that as they start turning this thing over? Uh, but I just think you look around and there's not a lot of as positive situations in Boston out there. And, and so that was the, uh, that was the idea like that. Hey, maybe someone like Kevin Durant might just be intrigued by that. Well, and it is interesting because the Celtics really wrote the script on this the first time around with Ray Allen and, and Kevin Garnett. And the only difference this time is they're in even better position, at least in terms of the fact that they, to your point in the article, they can go after a free agent. They can lure a free agent. A lot of criticism of this club for not landing big free agents in the past, but you know, let's face it, they never had cap space. That's a big limiting yeah. factor. You can't pay a free agent. You can't get one. And... <laughs> I think this year uh, they have all of these picks, more picks than they could possibly manage. I mean, some of them are getting moved. At least the second rounds are getting traded for future second rounds, something along those lines. They're not going to make eight picks. But at the same time, don't you think they're going to try to follow the same model? I mean, at the trade deadline, there was already a lot of foundation laid out there, a lot of different rumors. I think Okafor was the one bullpet verified. But, you know, maybe somebody like a Blake Griffin, you know, where there's a connection between the Celtics and uh, the Clippers, you know, and Doc Rivers, and Doc Rivers having a lot of control over the moves that get made, not just coaching decisions. Uh, you know, maybe somebody like Blake Griffin, they trade away the picks, they trade away some of these young players, they get somebody at the trade deadline, they're even more well-positioned to bring in somebody like Kevin Durant. Exactly, and I don't think it, it's a coincidence that in the aftermath of the trade deadline, the Celtics were, you know, all these little leaks come out that the Celtics were, whether it was Jimmy Butler or Okafor, or, you know, you name it, it felt like they were rumored with everybody. And Ainge just sort of sat back and said, you know, he can't say anything along the line. He can't confirm or anything like that. But I'm sure they don't mind those rumors being out there because, it, again, it tells prospective free agents that the Celtics are interested in taking that next jump and getting the guys that, will push them into that next stratosphere of contenders. And so I do think that's a huge part of the pitch. Now, I, you know, it, the timing is, is what's tricky about it. Now, so say you're, you're trying to get Kevin Durant. You know, you got to figure out somehow, and maybe even before he hits the free agent market, who are the guys that he wants to play with? And we always hear Horford, and that was another one of the guys that, that comes up. But I just feel like you, the, the Celtics are in a position where they can go get some really intriguing, whether it's young guys, established guys, uh, they're going to be able to, to get that Ray Allen, that, the, the, that step that leads to, to Kevin Garnett saying, yeah, I want to go there. Because, you know, when it was just Paul Pierce and the young kid, I think Garnett was looking at Boston thinking, eh, but all of a sudden you get Ray, you know, you're going to have a big three. There's, there's some intriguing possibilities there. Maybe it's the same thing here, where maybe a free agent's looking at Boston right now and saying, okay, you know, they, they've got some talent. Isaiah Thomas is there. Jay Crowder's on the upswing. Um, you know, young guys like Marcus and Kelly are intriguing, but, you know, if you're going to be competitive, you look at the teams out west, you're going to need more talent. And so if the Celtics go out there and sort of make that, get that first move uh, to add another impact player, then maybe the free agents are even more likely to come knock on their door. And then and, and really it comes down to the draft pick. You know, if the Celtics go out there and they get a, a top pick, um, then it's even more likely that someone's going to want to come get it, and or at least someone might be more willing to trade. It, again, it lines up, and I kind of, well, I'm sure we'll be writing these articles as as it gets closer to 
to draft time, but that's why it's not necessarily such a bad thing if the Celtics don't get the top pick either, because you just look rewind to, to 07. Number five was good enough to, to start the process of, of putting the band together. So, you know, there's no reason to think it, as long as they have a top pick, the better it is, the, the better their chance of, of, of being able to put this together. But they're in a good position regardless. All right. Well, we didn't talk about this too much in the lost episode, but what I what I want to ask you about is March Madness, because even since we talked now, many, many more of the players that we all want to be watching for that lottery pick or, or late lottery picks for the Dallas uh, pick, if that winds up falling uh, in our favor. But a lot of the players just aren't even playing. They didn't even get out of the second yeah. round since we talked. Kentucky's out. That's three players in the first round, two in the lottery, and uh, Utah gets knocked out. So players are dropping off. I think at the time we're recording this, the only real top 13 talent that's still in there is uh, obviously Ingram, and then mm-hmm. uh, Chris Dunn is out. Who else is left? There's there's one more <laughs> that I can't remember, but I, it's just really odd. You would have thought that by the time we got to the Sweet 16, we were going to watch guys like Jamal Murray you know, go and, and stake their claim on draft position, and it's kind of weaked out. Is that going to hurt the value of these picks? I know what you just said about number five, but it bears mentioning. Yeah, you know, it, it, it will be interesting to see how that, that affects stuff. You know, you always hear GM say at this time of year, well, you don't want to put too much stock in the, the tournament that it's, you know, you base it on their college, their entire college career, and even before that, you know, it's all just a, a little bit, a little tiny sample that you put together and but there is something to be said because seeing these kids on a big stage and so whether that will affect them or not uh we'll find out in june but uh you know i don't think it's it'll it'll impact too much you know that's why the guys like Ainge have been on the road since you know way back i mean into january and february uh really going all over the country to get a look at these guys because sometimes those games are more telling when there's not the big TV audience and everything. How are these guys performing on an, on a random night against a non-conference opponent? Uh, you do like to, the, you might have a little, little bit more confidence that they put together a, a good tournament run. Uh, but you know, and then you think about too the the number of of, uh, of uh, overseas guys that are going to be in the mix this year and stuff like that. So uh, I don't think it'll have a tremendous impact. I think it's just as a viewer uh, of Mars Madness, like listen, the games are fun no matter what. But you are kind of this is not, for someone like me who doesn't spend a lot of time following college basketball during the season, it's a little bit disappointing because you want to get a little bit more familiar with these guys. You want to get a, a, a better look. Maybe it puts a little bit more emphasis on, on things like the draft combine in May and uh, trying to get a grasp on, on just what these guys uh, project to be and, and, and where they'll fall in, the, in that draft order. It, yeah, I mean, like as, as Justin was saying, I mean, almost, almost all of the guys in the lottery right now, other than Ingram, and and uh, it was, it we're recording this right now. You know, there's there, there may be a few more, but uh, he's the <laughs> only all be one. Gone by the time. Yeah, <laughs> except for the Duke guy, of course, which I'm I'm completely okay with. I mean, let the cream rise to the top, of course. But anyway, uh, I'll I'll save that for uh, Duke stuff live. Um, so, you know, this is a year where. It seems like more than ever, we're and with the three draft picks, this might be a year that Danny looks at a foreign, um, not necessarily foreign-born, but but a, a player playing overseas right now, someone he could draft and stash. Um, and I, and I know and none of us know, and we could all pretend to know who these guys are. We can botch <laughs> all their names. Um, we could you know cover all that, uh, but. 
you know, in, in terms of the draft and stash, it certainly it's worked for San Antonio. There's been select other opportunities where it's worked for other other franchises, the Bulls with Miritich. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, the Celtics have not, they've been one of the few teams who've really kind of gone down that road or, or stayed away from that road. And I'm wondering, mm-hmm. what, why do you think that is? Why do you think Danny has, has really traditionally not only just focused so much on, on American talent, maybe Kelly Olenek aside, uh, but North American talent, let's say. <laughs> but not only that, but he's also, I mean, even signing players. And, and is it is it circumstance? Is it like the they've never bought in a free agent? Well, of course, because they've never had um, you know salary cap space. Or is it is there something else? Because it seems like, you know, I always go back to the Avery Bradley scenario where he was a great player, highly thought of coming out of high school, goes to Texas, the college coach, you know, kind of blows the whole situation, yeah. doesn't do anything for him, and he slips in the draft. But it seems like Danny kind of goes off of what he sees. Why do you – can you think of another reason why they've kind of stayed out of that foreign game to this point? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question because they, they, they definitely put the resources into it. I think within the last year or two, they've actually hired like a dedicated European scout. And maybe that's just because of the way – uh, the league is trending, and, and everyone's kind of got eyes all over the globe now, but it certainly helps them keep an eye on things to have someone that's, that's over there. And then, you know, Austin Ainge often treks overseas to, to check out these guys, and Danny will go over there at times. So um, I don't know. You know, it may, maybe it's just a, 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 a rare thing where the best guys on the board, you know, teams do tend to err on the side of trying to get talent that can help you now. You know, even in Boston, where where I'd, I'd like to think fans would have some patience in regards to developing players, it is tough to sometimes sell people when you're in that rebuilding mode and you say, well, we, you know, we've got this guy we really like. He's going to help us down the road, but you're not going to see him for a couple of years. But I do think that changes this year because, again, like just like you said, they've got way too many draft picks in order to, to, to fill out this roster, especially if they, they get active in the offseason. I mean, Technically, Evan Turner is their only unrestricted free agent. Now, they'll obviously be more roster turnover based on non-guaranteed guys and restricted free agents and stuff like that, but they've got quite a sizable core. I'd say as much as nine people that are, that are likely to come back regardless of the, of the free agent pursuit. And so, yeah, some of these guys, are. They, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're more likely this year to examine that. And it just has to line up, though. You know, the, if you feel like a guy is, is – is head and shoulders above uh, the talent behind them, then you then you got to get them, even if you got to wait for it. And maybe that's a good thing for Boston because it keeps that you know pipeline going. And like you said, the Spurs are the, are the perfect example. It seems like every year they pull someone back from overseas who you know you kind of forgot about, and, and here they are, they're they're a rotation guy, and, and they've got those reps overseas, and they've, they've gained confidence, and then Spurs have been able to work with them, and that's that's a really good thing for the teams. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think off the top of my head of what the Celtics have done for draft and stash. It's mostly been second round guys, Colton Iverson, and even this year, Marcus right. Thornton. Uh, but even Avery went overseas. If you remember, uh, during the lockout, you know, he had that, that kind of didn't do much in his rookie season. They wanted to get him reps. I think he went to Jerusalem for, it was a really short amount of time, but it was good for him to go over there and, and, and while the league was locked out to get those reps. So maybe they consider it. it, it it's certainly a good experience for them in terms of, uh, of developing and, um, you know, as we get more familiar with these guys, as the draft gets closer, it'll probably be easier to say, oh, yeah, you know, if Dragon Bender's there, you, you, you take him and, and put him overseas. But, 
it's just it's going to I think it, the one thing I would say is that if, at least if I was a GM I think if it, you know if, if it was coming down to a tiebreaker between a guy who was going to have to spend some time overseas or and there was a comparable talent here that you knew you could you you, you might be able to work with and maybe the, the tie goes to the to the state side guy but maybe that would change because of Boston's roster situation well when you mentioned being patient you know, with some of these players that have to develop. The first person that came to mind was James Young, and obviously a lot of the guys that have been down in Maine, and the Celtics do a really nice job of utilizing Maine to to try to keep these players as ready as possible. Obviously, Jordan Mickey, another one, and R.J. Hunter, but uh, James Young might be a player that the Celtics fan base is, is not going to stay patient on, and over the last, you know, several week and a half, et cetera, basically since Jay Crowder got his injury we've seen this team really struggle they're on a five uh, four game skid heading into the matchup against philadelphia we're recording before that game hopefully that'll be a win and, and kind of get them back on on the the right stance but they could fall as far as seven likely they'll probably end up in the sixth spot we're not even sure crowder's going to come back uh in before the postseason and if he does maybe it'll only be a couple of games to get tuned up uh if the celtics are lucky but but what is before we talk about some of those players because i think you know, Maine is, is an excellent way to keep these players ready, and if they do wind up packaging picks and players, you know, they'll they'll have some of these guys that will be able to fill in some roles, you know, maybe in the 7th or 8th spot through 10. But how much have we learned that Jay Crowder is so necessary to what this team does just in that short absence yeah. already? Yeah, it, it, it's kind of amazing that we uh, – I think we all knew Jay made quite a, a jump this year was in – important to this team i think the, the 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 prevailing notion was that isaiah is the most important player on this team because of the impact he has on the offense and let's face it the celtics just they're a different team when he's not on the floor isaiah gives them that that burst that takes a probably below average offense and makes it maybe takes it up towards the top half of the league and and, and there have been times this season especially where the celtics have played like a top 10 offense uh, so, but then you see Jay go out, you know, I, I think back to last year, even when the Celtics were making their second half surge, remember Isaiah got knocked on the ground, uh, in that Miami game and missed a, a little bit of a stretch and the Celtics were still able to kind of tread water and make progress towards getting that seventh seed last year. Well, this year, you know, Jay goes down. I think the, the, the hope was that guys would step up and that just really hasn't happened. It's, it's, it's amazing how tentative they've really been in these first couple of games. Now, you can, you can certainly point out the fact that the, the competition level has been pretty daunting, you know, between Oklahoma City and Toronto, uh, even getting hurt in the Houston game. Uh, these have been tough opponents they've had to go up against, and in, in Indiana, too, being a good defensive team. Uh, so it, it, it maybe we're reading too much into it and saying that, that, that uh, not having Jay is, is the big problem here, but I do think the team just looks different, and and that's it's a little bit it's startling to me because uh, they just haven't had the that they can't match his uh, I would say swagger and confidence. It just just feel like he brings an intensity to this team that that maybe we undervalued uh, more than his just his production on the court. And so the the one thing I also think he second guess is is whether the Celtics at the deadline maybe could have found a way to add some veteran depth here, and, uh, and there was no way to to predict that that both uh, Crowder and Jarepko would go down here and, and relieve you really thin at that, that swing man position. But, um, you know, now in hindsight, you, you recognize that, hey, that's a pretty thin spot, that the younger guys that are capable of filling that role aren't necessarily ready to jump up there. Obviously, James Young, I think there was hope that 
maybe they throw him in there and finally with an opportunity blossom, but he really hasn't even got an opportunity, which maybe reflects on uh, where the coaching staff thinks he's at. And that's a little bit disappointing, but you know, we have seen uh, quality bursts here from at times from, from RJ and Terry. Uh, so the Celtics have sort of uh, decided to go smaller to sort of compensate for the absence. But uh, like you said, you, it'd be interesting to see exactly how these young guys develop, uh, especially if Crowder continues to miss time. And, you know, speaking of, you know, a guy who just came back from missing time, Kelly, I mean, Kelly, he's, uh, I, I think it, it seems to me that, you know, his abs, his, I guess, rust, I guess, probably lack of a better term, exacerbates the issues with the, with Crowder. Not that they play the same position necessarily, but certainly the spacing that he provides, um, you know, and Crowder provides for that matter. It, it really helps to keep a lot of things going. In fact, defensively, I think he's been missed as much as anything because, you know, his metrics certainly on the defensive side have been pretty eye-popping for a guy who I thought would be a defensive sieve, uh, you know, a, a Ryan Anderson, I guess, whereas he's really yeah. been a really good defender for this team for, for this year. Um, what What do you think his... Should we expect to maybe slow our roll a bit on uh, on his return and, and being able to come back from that shoulder? Or do you think that, that maybe with this stretch of some easy games here this coming week, uh, that maybe that we can hope for a little bit more of Kelly Olenek, particularly when they go into the following week, which is that long West Coast road trip, which should be a pretty tough one for them? Yeah, you know, it, 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 Kelly, is, it, it, I think it just goes for a lot of guys on the team right now, but, you know, maybe uh, especially Kelly as he kind of shakes the rust from the, the month absence is, uh, you know, they just need to see some shots fall. And we went through this w- with Kelly earlier in the year. He just, there are times when he's tentative and they got him in a really good place. And I think if you look, the they really played some of their best basketball when that bench was was really performing well and where, the, where there was a stretch there where Evan and Kelly were both Doing real, doing great things on that, and really leading that second unit, and they've got to sort of get back there. And the hard part, of course, is that you got Evan Turner playing on the starting unit right now. You got Kelly trying to to, to get himself back to where he was. Um, you know, all these things can be alleviated with one good performance, one good shooting night. You get that confidence back up. Uh, these guys get back to clicking, and really in the big picture, I think that's the most important thing over the the final four weeks of the season here is that, you know, the seeding's going to take care of itself. You can't control what happens with the Hornets and the Hawks and the Heat. I, mean, there's, I don't think there's a lot of head-to-head matchups left with, with any of these teams. So those ships are going to fall where they will. You, you know, for the Celtics, you, you try to go out there and be competitive and win as many games as you can. and Maybe you get a little jump here with, with Philly and Orlando and uh, Phoenix later in the week. There's a chance to kind of recover from this little skid. But more important than that is just getting everybody back to full strength, getting them back to full confidence so that when the playoffs do arrive, you can sort of, you know, go in feeling really confident about what this team can do and, and, and kind of reflecting back on how well they played uh, during sort of that middle stretch of the season uh, while they surged to the third seed. I, I think that's really important, whether, whether it's Kelly getting his confidence back, whether it's the second unit, getting pieced back together and, and trying to build off what they've done, getting Jay back on the floor for the last couple of games so he can shake some rest. Um, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Jay. You know, we talked to him the other night and he's saying, I feel great. I feel like I'm, I'm getting near a return. And then Brad says, well, you know, if he's making progress, I haven't heard it. And so uh, those high ankle sprains tend to be 
things that sideline you for four to six weeks. It wouldn't surprise me if Jay was back in a week or, you know, wouldn't surprise me if they held him out until the, until the final part of the season. So uh, I, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how the team approaches that because, again, I think there's bigger things at play here than necessarily the seedings. I think you just got to get yourself to a good spot before those playoffs arrive. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good point. And, you know, when we talk about seedings, this will be the last question before we wrap, but John and I were, you know, talking about this a little bit, and we're going to talk about it later in the show. But but Toronto, when the Celtics played Toronto the first two games of the season, they really weren't on point. And we were really looking forward to these two games and five nights to be the metric of, okay, how far have they come since they couldn't win a game at home uh, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season to all of a sudden they won 14 in a row at home, and it had been a long time since they had done that. And, you know, what? which team could really, you know, could either versions of this squad be able to match up against Toronto? Now, with Crowder out, we really didn't get to gauge that. We won't again this week on Wednesday night. But I wanted to get your take. I mean, since we can't see it on the court, how close do you think the Celtics were to matching up and any kind of positive way against Toronto. I mean, Toronto might upset Cleveland by the time the season is over for the number one spot. Do you think the Celtics were ever going to match up well against Toronto? Would we have seen a more competitive matchup with Crowder out there? Yeah, I think it wouldn't hurt, right? You know, the the thing that seems to, to kill the Celtics against Toronto has been their guard play, which is weird because the Celtics have so much... Uh, you would say their strength is with their perimeter defense, but for whatever reason, Avery and Marcus and you know, even Jay, when he was healthy, he sort of struggled to, to really contain Lowry and DeRozan. Now, the other night, obviously, Scola goes nuts, and that plays a huge part in, in sort of tearing that game open. Uh, but, yeah, the, even the games that, that Boston has won against Toronto, you think about uh, there was that full-court sprint by Isaiah with the late tip-in by Marcus. You know, the, it, it's taken a lot of uh, work, and uh, nothing seems to come easy against Toronto. So I joked about it the other night, but, and part of me says people are so fascinated by dodging the Cavs that, you know, it probably wouldn't be bad if you could avoid Toronto as long as possible, too. Now, you're going to get one of those in the second round, most likely, if, if the Celtics are lucky to get through the first round. So, uh, you know, pick your poison there. I think uh, if you're being honest, you, you, you think that you match up better with Toronto when you're healthy, but I don't know. Just so there, there are sometimes they, they played – really well against both teams at times, and they played really poorly against both teams at times. So um, I, I think that when it comes down to the playoffs, you're going to get one of them. And uh, I've said early in the year, I was saying you want to avoid the Cavs as long as possible. I felt really confident that this team could probably give Toronto a series even without home court in the second round. I think I still feel that way, that when they're healthy, there's a chance. I don't think Skull is going to go that nuts every time. They do got to figure out a way to contain Lowry a little bit more, and, and having Jay there to, to help and, and provide that defense might might help that cause. But um, hey, the, 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 if, if the Celtics are playing either the, the, the Raptors or the Cavs, then that probably means they're in the second round of the playoffs. That's an encouraging sign. And again, you, you, you let that fall where it may. Uh, I don't think they're going to be overwhelmed by any matchup in the postseason, especially if they get back to, to full strength. And I think part of the, the eagerness is, even though they're not playing very well right now, I think if they can get back to a decent level, I'll be interested to see just how they compete against these teams in the East. Uh, it's uh, Every little bit helps when you get to that level. Every, every game they win, whether it's a first-round series, whether it's a couple games in the second round, whatever they do in the postseason, it's just a little bit more time in the headlines and a little bit more chance for uh, those free agents to bring it full circle. 
those the, the Durants of the world will take a little bit more notice of, of what they're doing with the talent they've got and, and maybe makes Boston a little bit more intriguing in, in the long run. Would be great to see an upset of a higher a higher seed in the postseason, no doubt for that for that free agent pickup. Hey, uh, Chris Forsberg from ESPN Boston joining us, sort of on our uh, our return our return tour. Um, so really glad to have you, Chris. I'm, I'm also thankful, you know, that you gave us two great spots, including the the lost episode and then the one that everybody is going to hear on Monday morning. But uh, just always always a pleasure to have you on the show and and you know john john just kicked you up our ladder a little bit so that's that's a good i'm thrilled to be there and now guys now if there was any issues with this one it happens we can always record on monday morning (laughs) well we might just do the daily thing right and then if we miss one it doesn't hurt as bad The starters should look but out. I, the three true. of us are going to do the same show three days in a row. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> so, Chris, tell me about uh, how I, this team is fared without Jay Crowder in the lineup. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we we joke the, the, the listeners won't won't get to, to hear the uh, pre-show 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 meeting, but uh, we did joke that we should just we'll, we'll we'll print out a transcript in the future and read it in, in the robotic voice, and it'll be off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like one of those translator apps. We could just upload. <laughs> Wouldn't even be your voice sitting in for Chris For Forsberg, you know, the Google Translator. This is a Siri just reads our entire podcast. I think there's a there's a good market for that. <laughs> All right, Chris, thanks a lot. We love having you on the show. Uh, it's good times, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Definitely by the playoffs. Yes, definitely. Let's, let, like I said, like I ended yesterday's episode with, there, there's. Let's not go three more years. Let's not go 24 hours, but let's, let's definitely make sure we talk again soon and, and we'll get ready for those playoffs. Always a great guest. And, and John, I, I like what you did there. There, We're going to kick him up, move him to, to number two behind Mike Gorman. I, I, you know, we'll be lucky if we ever get Sean Grady back on the show. <laughs> hey, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to come for the King, you best not miss. Okay. And, uh, he, he you know, Sean came for us. Scott came for us. Skip. 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 That's right. Skip. Skippy Sosa. Uh, you know. I forgot about that. Honestly. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, really, it's it's like, hey, welcome back. Here's here's an elbow to the gut. I mean, I, I just, it makes me wonder why we ever came back with these guys. We need to just, new media, you know, you think, you know, we started this whole podcast thing, and now we've got all these other podcasts around. we got the Rain and Jays. we got, you know, uh, you know, CSN and he's got theirs and, and Celtics Sam Packard's got his on. Yeah. I mean, you know, everyone's just, they're all trying to, to come for us here. This is unbelievable. It's like, Oh, I can go to on another podcast this week. I, I don't even know what's going on right now. All I know is we got Celtics beat. They're working with us. You know, we're working hand in hand with the CLNS folks. We're working together here. And, it's 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 a it's become a dog eat dog world out there in the podcast land. I just I just remember we had all of this chintzy equipment that I was barely <laughs> getting to make work. And I don't know if you remember the first draft show, but it was really hard to hear the callers. And uh, you know, we upgraded the equipment over time, and we put it together. And then eventually, we were able to use Blog Talk Radio for the live shows. But just really hilarious to your point. You know, now it's it's so easy 
a caveman can do it, right? Yeah. And and there are so many podcasts out there. Now, on the one hand, the great thing about it is that there are so many to choose from. And because there are, many people are listening. Like the numbers, even for our show now, are way up compared to what they were when you and I decided to take a break four years ago. And definitely even in the early stages of, of podcasting, I mean, our numbers are astronomically higher than what they were. But then on the other hand, there's a lot more competition out there for listeners every show. So it's really, it's really interesting. And I know you, know, you mentioned at the start about Reddit, that's something I haven't even gotten into. Don't forget, the way that we communicate with the listeners has changed dramatically as well. I'm still not in Reddit. You know, you got me into Twitter. I was kind of more of the Facebook guy for a long time. And then you got me into Twitter. I was like, okay, yep, no, I guess I do like Twitter better. But now you're telling me I got to move on to Reddit. I don't even know how you keep up anymore. <laughs> well, you know, I think there's some really smart folks on the Reddit site that, that they're, they're on Twitter. And I, and I, but if you want the extended musings, that's the place to be is, is to go over to the Reddit site. Those guys on the sub subreddit for the Celtics on there, they do an excellent stuff. Um, Ryan and, and Sam, I mean, really, really good, good stuff. So, um, Hey, but the Twitter is where it is, you know, and the, the kids nowadays, they don't understand how hard it was back. And, you know, we get Jared Weiss talking about, you know, how he grew up listening to us. I mean, my goodness, was this like 19, you know, thirties people listen to the radio. I mean, I, I didn't realize we were that old. But anyway, we're on the second rebuild of the second <laughs> rebuild of the Celtics. We're back in the in the chair. We're doing the thing, um, you know. And and I'll say this: I think I think we're in a good spot. I, the the losses right now worry me a bit. I'm going to be honest, but only a little bit because, as I said to Chris, I don't care if they're the, if they're the third seed. I think if they're the sixth seed, that's just as strong, honestly. Or the second or the seventh seed, I'd rather not have to play Toronto in the first round. But if I could be the sixth seed, that might that might be ideal. Get everybody healthy, get them going, and, and all. Oh, by the way, all the 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 uh, all the the lottery stuff and and the the draft pick stuff is starting to line up pretty nicely for us here with a month to go. So you know, I, I think we may be in a better position than we thought we were going to be. Uh, you know, just a couple couple weeks ago in terms of our draft picks. No, I think you're right. I mean, yeah, to your point, Dallas is potentially sliding into, you know, the lottery. Totally. They, they might actually not make the playoffs and that, you know, we don't want the pick to fall too low or we won't be able to get it. But, you know, to think that it could have been in the late teens and, and, and now we could get as, you know, lucky and maybe we see it in the early teens definitely increases the value, especially if you're going to package the pick. You know, let's say let's say the Celtics – don't get a top two pick. And I know, slap me in the face for saying it. But if they don't get a top two pick, let's say they do get five again, and we wind up in that. Now, if you can package five and 13, that's a lot different. Um, yeah. And you might even be able to trade up. There's a lot of things that might happen, especially because, as we discussed, that number one pick and Ben Simmons not necessarily being the guy, you know, Jalen Brown struggling a little bit. You know, there's a lot of guys that are peripheral guys in this draft that that you might hit on. But the list of can't miss high draft picks is is not very long, and right. so I think the value of of even a five and thirteen having two opportunities to hit on somebody is uh, is very valuable, and it really could increase the Celtics' uh, flexibility with trading. And to your point. I don't think the Celtics have, have ever had this much flexibility, this many options, this many angles to talk about. But 
because of the Celtic skin, because we said at the opener we were going to talk a little bit about Kelly Olenek. I got to get your take, John, because, you know, here was a guy who in January when this team was struggling, pretty much the only one hitting outside shots with any kind of regularity, right? I mean, mm-hmm. save for Isaiah Thomas and, and Jay Crowder, I got to give him some kudos. I can't. I can't strip him of the accolades that he deserves because, you know, he hit some some momentum changers, some, you know, game-winning or game-changing shots late in the fourth quarter, you know, also from beyond the arc. But when you talk about spacing from start to finish in the game, Kelly Olynyk brings it, and, and he's really the guy the Celtics need, and they need more of it. Yeah, they do. And, and you know, look, he's the shoulder thing. I don't think he's healthy. I mean, he, he looked better last night. Well, it looked against Toronto, depending upon when you're listening to this. He looked better. Uh, he really did not look good at all against Oklahoma City, I thought. I thought he really – that he, he didn't look like himself. He's looked better. Rusty. He, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, adding him without him, <laughs> the, the first game against against Indiana, they, they were they – didn't, they didn't know what to do, you know, because, I mean, they just – there was no space. It Everything was I – mean, literally, it looked like – the, the teams I'm playing against with my third and fourth grade travel team, they just pack the paint. And uh, it maybe isn't a zone, but it surely looks like one because they just pack the paint because no one could go anywhere. You don't have to guard anybody in the three-point line. Um, they uh, they did – no, they did a fine – I thought, you know, he, he's going to get better. He's going to break that rust off. The, and, and luckily for him – They've got as 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 Chris, you know, we we're talking about with Chris. You got Philly, you got Orlando, and you got the Suns basically in the next seven days. So you've got four good opportunities there to, or excuse me, three good opportunities there to kind of get your yourself your your feet back under you. Um, Orlando, of course, is, has actually leads the season series uh, one game to two, uh, or two games to and one. And Oladipo is on fire yeah, right now. Yeah, 47, I think, the other night. Um, and then, of course, we got Toronto on, on Wednesday. So it's not an easy schedule by, by a stretch, but it, it, you got three out of four, which are you know, easier certainly than, than the run we've been on the last week. So I think, I think this is a good chance for Kelly to get, kind of get his legs under him. Maybe get some, get some good feelings about some of the younger players. I really like what Rozier has brought. I like the energy that he's got there. I think RJ was making some good shots and looking good out there. Mickey's done some good things. I think they just, those guys just have to build on those situations and against a Philly or an Orlando or a Phoenix, they're going to have those opportunities. You're not going to feel like we got to go back to the starters so quickly. You're going to be able to keep those guys in there a little bit longer, hopefully, and hopefully they can build on that. So that way, when you are going to be running up against the Clippers or Toronto again, or, you know, I, I do have to say it, they do play on uh, April Fool's Day. They do play Golden State, which would be an interesting time to, uh, by the way, to uh, knock off the undefeated home record. That'd be kind of interesting. Um, Wouldn't it be awesome? On April Fool's Day. I mean, does, would that, could there be anything better than that? Um, no. And, and, and that'd be, of course, that's the Celtics record, of course, having gone 41-1 and one in 86. So, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I think that there's a lot of, in the next two weeks, there's some good opportunities there for them to, to build some strength with those young guys, have them feeling good, maybe boost their trade value, if, I, if you know what I mean, and, and potentially put themselves in a much better position when they do have, end up playing the sixth seed as a sixth seed because they are gonna, they're not going to win a lot of these games because 
Jay Crowder is such a key guy for them with Kelly Lennox shaking off rust or not. Yeah, no, I think that's a it's a good point. I mean, uh, I I really I think I think the Celtics are going to limp into the playoffs, and I really you know it's yeah. great to dream about April Fools, and you know it would be awesome because they played them so tight uh, before they suffered their first loss of the season to their next opponent back in the fall. But I, I don't see them getting that win on the road against Golden State, even if it is April Fools. I mean that that's a that's a dream scenario. But I honestly I see this team reeling. I mean, I think they're really going to struggle, and I think it's going to be a good thing in the long run, to your point, because there's some young players here that need the time, that need an opportunity, and if Danny does do what we're all hoping he'll do, or at least you know what he's been positioning himself to do, which is to you know. I don't want to say overhaul the roster, but they're going to be packaging some of these guys. You know, somebody that really concerns me, and we've talked about it all season long since we got back on the air, is somebody like Jared Sullinger. Like, he knows he's playing for a contract right now. It's just scary because, it's it to me, he's such a huge gamble. Mm-hmm. If you move him, you're losing the best rebounder on this team. I mean, there's make no mistake, he's gotten better as the season gone on. You know, I think his minutes have increased, and if they haven't increased, he's at least played them more consistently than he did in years past and to start this season. Um, he's a he's something that they don't have on this squad, and if they were to package him and and move for a player that wasn't able to to bring back the rebounding, there would be a huge hole on this squad. There's no doubt. At the same time, if they sign him and they give him the money, don't tell me that you're not thinking in the back of your mind that he's going to regress at the start of next year and, and maybe not be the same as he was this year. Right. That's that's the fear. I mean, right now he's in the top 10 in terms of rebounds per minute in the league. So, you know, you're getting a guy who can do that. The question is, couldn't you? can you find somebody else who's also a plus rebounder but does other things for you? Get someone who rebounds and stretches the floor, rebounds and defends and, and protects the, you know, the, the bucket. Um that's the problem with Sullinger to me is that he's he's really good at one thing, but he's not a good he's not good at those things plus something else. And that's where I think the issue for me is with Sullinger is that you know sometimes you know with the, with the way the game has gone, his ability to get down in the in the block and work on a guy and try to score on him it's not an efficient situation in the league right now. And so he really is, he's a rebounder or what? And, and, you know, he was taking some ill-advised shots last night, but somebody's got to stretch the floor. It's, it's a tough fit. And where this team is right now, as much value as there is in getting a rebounder, you almost, you almost have to gamble in some other way. Um, in some of the area to get some scoring or to get some some you know uh, better rim protection, um, then that's that's maybe a, a luxury you can't afford to keep. Well, on our last show, we were talking about whether or not the Celtics might be able to make a play with the Raptors, and we talked about that Friday game and this coming Wednesday's game as really being the benchmark. Like, hey, we're going to have a real good idea because I don't think this Celtics team was together when they played the first two games earlier in the season. It wasn't until right after that second matchup that the Celtics started to get you know the notable improvements that we've seen, and then just right in time for them to have their two games and five nights or whatever it is, uh, two yeah it is two games and five nights against the Raptors. 
uh, where we get to see, all right, how much have they improved? How ready are they going to be for this squad of the postseason? Right when we get there, Jay Crowder goes down. I got to be honest with you, it's very disappointing. As much as I know that that it is telling us, you know, the silver lining here would be that we're learning how much value Jay Crowder brings, but we already knew it. I mean, maybe we didn't quantify it quite to this level. I mean, I'm not sure. I, I knew they were about to hit a tough stretch. I'm not sure that I saw them losing four games without Jay Crowder. I definitely saw them losing like the first couple because it just changes so much of what they do. But I thought that they would, you know, adjust and it's just a difficult time to be able to do that. But very disappointing not to be able to see this team take stock against the Raptors because you you knew that that team was going to play hard. Now, the Raptors, a little exhausted, second night of a back-to-back. They build a huge lead. The Celtics claw back in. But as soon as the Raptors wanted to turn it back on, it just it felt like the Celtics got toyed with the way they've gotten toyed with by Cleveland in the past. I think it, I think what it goes back to, to me, and I, I, I was disappointed as well because I, I, I've been disappointed by all three games they've had against Toronto or all four games they the no, three games they've had against Toronto because in, in every instance they have taken those situations and instead of you know rising to the challenge they've they fell on they've fallen away at every every single of the, one of those games and I think it's about the matchup I think the matchup is a is tough for them the Celtics don't have a lot of wing players it seems a funny thing to say but they don't have a lot of wing players who match up well with Toronto I mean Terrence Ross. Well, you know, DeRozan is the whole reason why you right. need to move Jay Crowder over to the four, but you just don't have anybody else to put there. That's right. Well, but, it, you know, whether you've got, you know, you, <laughs> Evan Turner guarding him, you've got, you know, Bradley guarding him. He is, he's able to, I mean, we've got good defenders, but nobody has been able to check him at all. But Ross has gotten off on the Celtics. Lowry, and it's like, no matter who it is, one of those guys is just torching these guys left and right. And Corey Joseph, um, they have not been able to get a hold of those, the the wings on uh, on Toronto, and that's probably been the biggest disappointment. Is that for as good as the Celtics have played against almost every other team's guards or wing players, they have not matched up well there. And you wonder, you know, is that just are they are they bringing it more to play against the Celtics or? Is there something else? It, it seems like it's an outlier, but three games don't lie, and we're going to see one more here next week. I don't think we're going to see anything different than we saw in the first three. No, total spankage. Yep. Yep. It's, it's, it, it it's is. embarrassing. It's going to be because they just don't – they have great defenders, but one of the cruxes with this guard group, no matter how beefy somebody like Marcus Smart is or how athletic and tenacious somebody like Avery Bradley is, they don't have a long defender who is also quick. Right. They don't. And that's the killer. That's why That's why I can see somebody like Crowder at the four. They still, I mean, come on, DeRozan's six foot seven and quick as hell. And, and that's really what they need somebody who is a little bit longer, who can stay in front of DeRozan. And, and you know, Jay Crowder, when I know LeBron James has been moved over to the four a little bit this season, but when Jay Crowder's playing the three against LeBron, LeBron is quick. 
But that's still a favorable matchup. It's a totally different matchup against DeRozan, and DeRozan plays shooting guard, so he's usually sliding down to the two. So he's already switching the three down to the two. And I'm not saying Jay Crowder can't defend multiple positions. I mean, that's his whole value. That's why, you know, he compares to Draymond Green, and he can switch. And, you know, we get all of that. At the same time, somebody like DeRozan really exposes the weakness. You've got to have a defender, like a, uh, uh, a B defender who's still long at the three, Crowder at the four. You could get away with undersized point guard, shooting guard combos, and I think the Celtics will continue to use that. And, you know, we've seen Isaiah Thomas, even defensively, hasn't been the liability we thought he would be, and he's getting to the rack offensively. I think the Celtics can survive that, but when Jay Crowder's absence, it really was glaringly obvious yep. because they had that three-guard lineup, and Smart's, like, defending the three. I mean, that I know he's strong, and I, and I know he's athletic, but it's just not reasonable. Well, and it looks so much worse against Oklahoma City, too. There aren't many small yeah. forwards like Durant, you know, 6'11", you know, he's just, that's, a, that's, that, that's, there's a number of reasons why that doesn't work, but, but no, you're right. I mean, that's, I think that's, that's an issue. And, and that's why when you look at some of the conversation about, well, you know, well, of course you're going to re-sign Evan Turner. Well, think about that though, for a second, because if you do re-sign Evan Turner, you know, Evan Turner's spot is the one that kind of, fits somewhere else you know i mean you're you're not going to get rid of your rookies you know you need to develop those guys evan turner is the guy whose spot kind of allows them to do a lot of different things and if he's not in that mix and you can upgrade that in some way like we talked about gordon hayward gordon hayward is that type of guy he's longer you know i don't know that you know probably he's he's a he's a an even um match with where turner is of course he spreads the floor i mean we know he's a better player and and we'd rather have him be here but my point is that you know you've got with turner he's good but he has limitations certainly defensively and, and you need more of those guys when you have three guys who are under 64 and your small forward basically in this situation is is 64 and then you're going to bring in evan turner well, you're still you're still undersized for that other guy that that like you said that DeRozan going from three to two, so it's it's a really bad bad situation for them. They have to find an up, a way to upgrade that that wing. If they could have found a way to make that Jimmy Butler deal work, boy, that would perhaps have really changed the whole conversation because that's the guy you can put him next to, to Durant. You can put him next to, to any number of different guys and boy, you've got it. You've got a real good situation as a team right there. Yeah. I mean, you make a great point there and we meant to talk about that at the end of the last show, but I couldn't agree more except to say, you know, I'm going to give Evan Turner some due here. If this roster got consolidated and that starting lineup got an upgrade in overall quality, then I think you can have an Evan Turner come in. You know, if you're talking about an eight, maybe nine man rotation, you know, that tight of a rotation, because your top five are so strong, then Evan Turner coming off the bench and, and mingling in with those players, it's not as much of an issue. And that jackknife where he could play the one, the two, the three. Uh, is a really valuable asset, especially when he doesn't have to be the man out on the floor. You know, he can he can pound the ball a little bit, but but if he doesn't have to be the scorer every time, I think he can fit in like the Swiss Army knife that he is. Um, it's really on that starting lineup. When Jay Crowder's out, to your point, Evan gets forced into it. It is definitely, definitely a struggle. I mean, he's 6'7", like DeRozan. You would have thought he would have done a decent job, but I don't know what your take is, but I thought Friday night... Evan wasn't horrible, 
but he definitely wasn't making you know the difference that the team needed him to make. Well, that's it. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 he's not bad. He's adequate. He's an adequate defender, and against most guys, he's going to stop you. But you've got if you've got a top a really dangerous wing group. He's not going to be the guy who's going to get going to get those stops for you, and with and certainly on the other side of the court, he's not spreading you out enough to be able to get other things. Now, if you're able to add other pieces, you know, if you have a Kevin Love out there, for example, well, then you can you can allow Evan Turner to be on the court with you offensively. But if you're going with Sullinger, Amir Johnson, and and Turner. With Smart and, and Isaiah, there's no space, man. There's no None. room for you. And that's that's the issue with, is is that Turner can work if he has other guys who space things out for him, spread it out, and he can get in. Um, so it's like it's, it's a two-pronged thing. It's on the one hand, Turner isn't uh, defensively. He's not that bad. But you, if you had really a step up, a guy like a butler – he does so many things for you on that end and the other, or even Hayward, who's maybe not that much better or better at all defensively than him, but he's such a plus on the offensive side that it's it's an obvious jump up. And and there's only so many roster spots on your wing. If you do hold on to Young and and um, Hunter as well as Bradley Smart, you know Isaiah. You're not gonna you're not gonna be able to add yet another wing player because you're just not gonna have enough minutes. You know you're gonna be in that same roster crunch again. So it, that's the reason why I look at Evan Turner as saying it's not that he's bad. It's that that's the spot where I think they could improve, make that guy a starter, and and that really is where the the team maybe really takes a, a step forward. Um, if they could upgrade another area, I'd keep him. But if you if you can't if you can't get Kevin Love you can't get uh, you know someone else who's going to really upgrade you in another spot of the team, uh, I feel like he's an inevitable. That's why I say I would yeah. love to see us move Crowder to the four. Then you don't have to do that. You still upgrade the three, maybe even move in the picks. I mean, I'm not sure we'd be able to get somebody like Jimmy Butler. But if if you were able to trade for Butler and you were able to give up like a Sullinger, you know, or a Sullinger Olenek and some picks for Butler. Something you know, if you were able to pull off something like that and move Crowder to the four, I think you're still accomplishing the same goal. Oh, yeah. And you can have Turner come in off the bench. Um, so to your point, Hayward and Butler are both going to be starters. I don't ever see Evan Turner as a starter. I just see him, you know, he, on on the Celtics, he's a great six man. Yep. On an on a championship team, he's he's the seventh man of the year, which nobody gets an award for. But he. <laughs> But he would be perfect as a seventh man of the year. And the reason I say that is, you know, you know in Brad Stevens' lineups, the first man off the bench is going to be a guard. You know, that's the way that's going to go. The pace of play, you know, pushing up and down the floor, especially because they've got Isaiah, Marcus, and and Avery Bradley. Not that one of those couldn't be moved in a deal if you're trying to get Butler as well. Um, you know, they certainly could be packaged. But I just see there's going to be a lot of that. I think, I think Stevens will always have three guards that are rotating. Um, but somebody like Evan Turner, he's insurance if a guard goes down. He can play small forward in the normal eight-man, nine-man rotation. And, you know, he just allows them to survive injuries. And he's a guy that I think would still be comfortable coming off the bench with this club. But I'm not sure, you know, I'm not totally sure. I guess we're going to find out this summer. But nobody's going to give him a starting job again. 
you know, he's he's probably locked into that sixth, seventh man role moving forward for the rest of his NBA career, in my opinion. I, no, I think you're right. I, it, it, and I and I probably to me the thing is is it's not so much it, it's it's not so much I guess the direct relation of of Turner. It's it's his impact on everybody else, and that you've already got Smart, you've already got Bradley, you've already got Isaiah. I mean, basically, right there, you got thirty minutes of that's guard. That's that's all of your guard minutes right there, and then you've got your small forward position, where let's say you, you're, even though you know he's ball handling whatever, you're giving twenty five, thirty minutes of those to Evan Turner. You've only got twenty minutes left. You know what I mean? And so, well, I think you. That's my point about the seventh man. I think Evan Turner next season, if this roster gets constructed properly, you know, he's a twelve minute guy. You know, he's a ten to twelve minute guy. But I think I think I don't think you're gonna I, I think the money that you're gonna have to give him I guess what I'm saying that's an obvious spot where you Yeah, I hear play. you. You know what I mean? I hear you. I, I just I don't I'd love to have him here. I just don't think there's wants. time. I don't think there's time and I don't think there's money to keep him. You know? I'd like to keep him, but I don't see the way in which it works, I guess, with the way the ro- unless there's huge, like large scale roster reconstruction. I don't. I think he's the easiest place to upgrade. And I'm saying that as somebody who sees value in him, I just think he's the easiest spot to upgrade to be able to get you to a spot where then you can, um, you know, take the next step. I guess as a team. But so, so do you think he's due for a payday? Oh, he's gonna get paid. Everyone's getting paid this summer. Hell, you and I might get paid this summer. We don't even, and we can't, even, <laughs> you know, offhand layup. No, I mean, everyone. If the Celtics make enough consolidating trades, they might have to call us up from Maine. <laughs> if we get in that situation, man, everyone, everyone's, even the other podcasters are in trouble. Um, <laughs> no, listen, I, <laughs> I think, um, I think the Celtics. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think Evan Turner is going to make. A lot closer to ten million dollars a year than people would think. I think he's well. Gonna... I mean, in this off season, we are resetting, you know, the bar, right? I mean, we know, you know, the whole you know mid level exception type theory. You know, really, where does that where the, where will that number lie? How will that change? And what will be the average size of the contract? We know it's going up. But maybe ten million dollars to Evan Turner this summer isn't ten million dollars to Evan Turner last summer. That's you right. know what I mean? Like, and yeah. so maybe ten million dollars this summer to Evan Turner really isn't a big hindrance to this club, and and maybe he wants to stay here despite what. You know, here's the thing: if they do make a bunch of trades, you know, some of these fringe guys who could get a payday if it changes enough, they might not get the hometown discount or. You know, they might not get the the hometown. I will accept a little bit less playing time to stay with Brad uh, if they see changes happening and and they know that it actually decreases their opportunity to get on the court. And you know, somebody like Evan Turner might sign a one or two year deal, right? right? Because the money's out there. It's not like I better get paid now because it'll never be there again. He, he could take a one or a two year deal at a little bit of a pay cut if he knew he was going to get more playing time just to be like, okay, this is it. It's make it or break it. I didn't earn my big payday, but you know, a team like, you know, I don't know, a, a Pelicans or something like that. They're going to bring me in and they're going to let me play 
you know, as a starter or a first man off the bench, and that's going to get me my payday if I do what I'm supposed to do. I think that's where the risk is, to your point. Yeah. It's more, it's going to be a lot more about opportunity for Evan Turner than it is going to be about money. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think you're right about that. It's, I guess, you know, you, you, the other part of it, I guess, is you're looking at it from Danny's perspective is, you know, he did a great job in acquiring, in, in signing guys this past this past summer that were either flexible, like Amir Johnson and, and Jarebko being unguaranteed deals, in, uh, you know, re-signing Crowder to a ridiculous contract. Same with Bradley. You know, he was able to preserve his flexibility. The the big question is can he do it again? If if he's not able to get the big jump with, with Durant, and and I think we're gonna know early on if that's the case or not. What does he do? It is does is it you go all in, you get you know, you spend your money, you get you get your your let's say Al Horford and then re sign everybody. You in that case you better hope that in that new economy that guys like Evan Turner or Jared Sullinger or, or, or Zeller have contracts that are dealable because that's the other problem is you're going to have a class of guys this summer who are going to have those new con or after this summer, they'll have those new contracts and everyone else will, will be cheap, easily tradable, but those new guys won't be. And, and you know, that hurts, that could hurt uh, his ability to be flexible and make trades. Hopefully not. I, I have a lot of faith in him more than anybody to make the right deals and, and not hamstring himself. But that's, you know, as you said, it's going to be opportunity on, on Evan's part. It's going to be about money for Danny's part in terms of his ability to preserve those those options if he's not able to get that one guy to jump Um and 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 also not go so far in with whoever's available so that he can get to the top tier of of teams in the league not just hey we're pretty good uh we want to be championship contenders not no, there needs to be you know, progress every decent. year needs to be progress every year regardless of where they're at with trades etc and to your point you know slightly overpaid contracts Salary matching really isn't going to be a factor anymore in this new economy. And so overpaying somebody a little bit of money, it's actually going to be more of a deterrent than it's been in the past because, you know, you had those Gerald Wallace contracts, but they were always a piece that you needed to make a trade. They were in in, in a combination. But now it could actually devalue the draft pick you're sending out with it because people aren't, aren't hampered to find cap space anymore. Yep. The cap space is going to be there, at least until, you know, the market will correct itself. And by the time they get to the new collective bargaining agreement, everybody will be so grossly overpaid again. And it'll be disgusting. And everybody will be like, how do they get paid this much money? And then people will run out of cap room again. It will happen. But it will take a couple of years for that to happen. Somebody like Avery Bradley is going to get pretty upset when guys like Evan Turner get more money than he does and contribute less. And aren't even a starter on a team that goes into the playoffs, potentially late into the, into the playoffs. You know, we've already heard that from Avery Bradley. It's going to be a theme on a lot of teams. It's not going to be limited to guys like Avery on the Celtics. It's going to be all over the NBA. There's going to be guys who are like, man, I should be getting paid, but I signed my contract and I've got X number of years. And those guys are also going to be frustrated when they start losing playing time, you know, if, if they don't keep their spot. And, uh, you know, they're going to struggle. There's going to be some motivational issues in that regard. We're going to hear some stories about that in the next couple of years, I think, as well. Uh, you know, attitude, 
dictates time on the on the court and on the floor as well. And I think some of these guys, you know, I don't think Avery Bradley's going to be one of them, but there's going to be some guys who are definitely going to take some hits that way, and it's not going to be great for their career while this thing all shakes out. Um, so let's end on that. We're going to be back next week. Big thanks to Chris Forsberg from ESPN Boston for joining us. As always, I have to give a shout-out to Larry H. Russell on the CLNS Network, Celtics Beat, always promoting our show on his show, which is released every Sunday morning. Just download the CLNS Radio app or go on to iTunes, search Celtics Beat, and make sure you're downloading Larry's show. Uh, just can't thank him enough. And then also tune in to the CLNS Radio post game shows. Lots to complain about. I will say this you know, when, when the team goes into a slide, all of a sudden, Monday, you know, morning quarterbacks sort of come out of the woodwork and and those post-game shows start to get a lot of discussion because everybody thinks they got the next great idea about how they can fix this team uh but really what we need is 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 the doctor to fix jay crowder and, and hopefully he comes back sooner than later without uh you know causing any long lasting effects into the postseason from his play very clear that this team missed him not you know didn't miss olenic as much as they miss crowder but they miss him so uh, hopefully you'll return soon, Jay. And and John, I guess that's it for this week. A good show. Always great to have Chris Forsberg on. Love having Chris. It's great to have him back. It's great to be back. This is going to be an interesting week, everybody. Watch a whole bunch of March Madness if you can. Um, my bracket, I'm not going to say it's busted, but... It took a hit with uh, with Michigan State yesterday. So uh, let's hope let's hope everyone's brackets stay unbusted and it all works out. But, oh, uh, it's busted! 11, 12, 13, 14, and uh, <laughs> fifteen ranked teams all upsetting. And and really, we're we're watching way too many players at the top of that draft express board fall off yeah. way too soon. We're we're gonna have a hard time sifting through this mess as we get closer to the draft. And you know, we'll obviously have a recap as we go through March Madness. We'll talk about it some more. Uh, we're, we're recording this just in the midst of early goings of the first round. So um, you know, obviously, uh, a lot more to come and a lot more to be said on this topic. We'll catch you all next week. Thanks for listening. Celtic stuff live.